Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. This is Good Morning New York Real Estate, and I am Vince Rocco. On our show today, New Yorkers who don't abide by social distancing may want to watch out for their condo, co-op, or rental buildings. The state has barred social gatherings and ordered employees of non-essential businesses to stay home. Not everyone, of course, is following the rules, so condo and co-op and rental buildings are exploring their options for dealing with residents who say grant access to the building for friends and or family members or others. Attorneys are recommending that buildings seek emergency injunctive release if neighbors don't follow the state's guidelines. The last thing anyone wants is litigation, but in this particular context, if people's health, safety, and welfare are potentially being jeopardized, that seems a good enough reason. You are at risk every time you leave your apartment for anything. Also today, nearly 450 homes were pulled off the market last week. New listings plummeted and contract signing sank in New York City last week again as the COVID-19 pandemic worsened. Data from Urban Digs compared the numbers of pulled listings and new listings last week to the number in the same period a year ago to see how hard the city's health crisis is hitting residential real estate. And a brutal picture emerged. And that will only get worse as we head towards the peak of this human crisis and when we get the chance to start a recovery. But we, are so, we seem to be so many months away from normalcy. Normalcy. All this and so much more as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning, we are live from all of our home offices in New York City, Boston, and Miami this morning. In the news, in Washington, President Trump retreated Sunday from his desire to relax coronavirus guidelines by this coming Easter, announcing instead that all Americans must continue to avoid non-essential travel, going to work, eating at bars and restaurants, or gathering in groups of more than 10 for at least another month and perhaps until June. The Grin recommendation, which the president made in the White House Rose Garden, came just a day before the end of a two-week period in which the world's largest economy has largely shut down with all social life being suspended. In other news, Compass laid off 15% of its staff last Monday, this according to The Real Deal, with the economy reeling from the corona pandemic. The SoftBank-backed brokerage said it was projecting a 50% drop in revenue over the next six months. After raising $1.5 billion from investors, Compass ended 2019 with 15,500 agents and 2,500 staff uh, members nationwide. The layoffs cost roughly 375 staff members their jobs. CEO uh, of Compass, Robert Refkin, said, we are modeling a six-month decline in revenue of uh, in revenue of 50%. In addition to the layoffs, Refkin said he paused corporate marketing and scaled back its concierge program. He also said he would forego a salary and Compass's executive team would take a 25% pay cut. Uh, It appears that several other firms are following suit. After facing pressure from city officials and workers, the state is shutting down all construction except work on infrastructure, healthcare facilities, and affordable housing. The Empire State Development Corporation updated its guidelines last Friday, saying only work on roads, bridges, transit facilities, utilities, hospitals, or health care facilities, affordable housing, and homeless shelters will be considered essential. Under the order, employees of all non-essential businesses are prohibited from reporting to work. Now, workers on condo buildings and commercial sites will need to stay home 
unless there is emergency construction that needs to be done, for example, work that would endanger the public if left unfinished. And in the uplifting display of support and gratitude, people across Europe and the UK have been taking their window, ta- uh, taking to their windows and balconies to clap and whistle in support of their healthcare workers. It's something we haven't seen in the U.S. until now. An international public relations agency led an initiative to bring that to New York City last Friday night at 7 p.m. Carla Otto, the agency head, was asking people to give doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, grocery store workers, restaurant workers, truck drivers, sanitation workers, friends, neighbors, and colleagues a two-minute round of applause for their essential work. And in New York City, they did a very surreal moment in time. I'm sorry I missed that. All right, everybody, good morning, and welcome to this Tuesday, March 31st, here in quarantine. How is everybody? Hanging in there. <laughs> Life is good. Yeah. Acting myself Life is Yeah, under the circumstances, doing better than expected, but would like to yeah. do a lot better. <laughs> Yeah. I will just say that my 16-year-old is bigger than I ever thought, and he has not stopped eating. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. My 17-year-old has not come out of his that bedroom in three weeks. That's the problem for all of us, Louise. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> We're cooking and eating I, way I, too much. All right. I have reached my goal of being a housewife who homeschools her kids. <laughs> yeah, that's my goal, Anna. <laughs> yeah, it's my goal. That's all I really ever wanted in life. Well, I've been working out every day, so there will be some silver lining. I'm probably yes, I'm doing that too. Yeah. Well, I think that's an essential health, uh, essential way of keeping our our mind, uh, not only our bodies but our minds, in uh, in good shape. All right. With us today is Anna Shagalov from Halstead, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Element in Miami these days, uh, Steve Kligerman from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from Halstead, Sam Flaxman is joining us today from Compass in Boston. Uh, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman and Louise Phillips-Forbes from Halstead. All right, let's get started here. So, you know, my, I don't, you know, there were so many things to talk about and we're trying to keep positive about all this, but contract signing were nearly halved to 109 from 214 in the same week last year. For obvious reasons, the number of listings that went live sank by 79%. In 2019, there were 450 nine new listings in the third week of March, which is typically one of the busiest months for owners to list their properties. So, you know, my question to everybody is, you know, so why right now would sellers even want to list? For example, uh, I, for one, in my inbox every mo- every morning get the Street Easy hot list or whatever it's called. And I'm seeing all of these, and we talked a little bit about this last week, all these multi-zillion dollar apartments being listed. I mean, honestly, guys, what is anybody thinking about? And why do that? Maybe just an escapism, a little real estate porn for people to entertain themselves, go shopping online, even if it's not something that they might actually be considering. I think there might be a psychology around uh, standing out because you have no one else out there. You're, everyone's going to see that particular listing. I don't know who's actually going to be spending that kind of money right now, but there is a standout. Right? There is but a standout I, do think, I, I do think it's also part of it is the psychology of just trying to proceed one step at a time and what what what's right for one person and feels right for one owner might not feel right for another and that all ties back to what's going on in their own personal lives uh, yeah i, I well, agree yeah, I, think, I, I, I think there's some normalcy you know trying to keep some sense of normalcy but i also agree i think it was anna that said 
you know, right now, if you do put something on the market, you do stand out. If people have alerts on different websites that they use to search, they're getting an alert that morning saying something new came up. In new development, we actually are seeing buyers shopping and inquiring and asking to set up appointments for when they can come and see the property. So there, there's a lot of people home right now with a lot of time on their hands. And and Steve, are you not also experiencing uh, where people, I've got people that have asked me, literally last week, I videotaped every single, before I came to Montauk, I videotaped every listing I could and I'm overlaying them for not the videos that we usually do for marketing, they're different. They're like walk-through videos, walk-through. and yeah, and I've I'm been overlaying those. I'm overlaying those with with voiceovers because people people want to want us. They want to see them. They're saying, "Do you have a, a Can you fake? Can I FaceTime? You know, like it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. We we actually we videoed all of our sales offices. We videoed all of our model apartments um, to do you know more virtual showings than virtual walkthroughs. We also have three D. Uh, you know, tours as well. Uh, and I know that I, I know that Halstead also sent out an email trying to find out if people have listings in buildings where another Halstead agent might live, if that apartment might be vacant, they asked them to try to do video tours, you know, for them as well. So, you know, brokers are really helping out brokers, which is a really, I think, I, as well. I think so that's that the spirit, all right, guys, uh, guys, that, guys, guys, we got to take a break. We have to take a break. Uh, we're coming back after this. We have a whole big show to get to. This is good morning, New York on the voice America talk radio network. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is James Nelson. I'm a huge fan of Vince's show, and I'd like to invite you all now to listen to my show on the Voice America Network, Real Estate Investing, live from New York. I will teach you everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusively commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home shows. I will teach you step-by-step how to source, acquire, improve, and profit from commercial real estate. Please tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. Thank you. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, everybody, we are back, and we're talking about how to survive. The topic today is talking about how to survive in this pandemic. So there's lots of negativity, not lots of negativity, a lot of, a lot of other things going around out there. But what I wanted to do was just, you know, we're all home, we're all cooking, we're all eating probably way too much, having way too many cocktail hours with uh, quarantinis and, and Zoom and whatever else. But there are tips out there for all of us to stay connected because I think that it's a good thing to do in times like this to not only encourage each other and to look for, you know, that, that light at the end of the rainbow, but in the, in, in the interim, before we get there, how are we, how are we connecting with our friends, our, our, our fellow agents, and sort of keeping each other positive? What tips do you have out there? And we all have different books of business in all different places, and we're going to talk to Boston in a few minutes and Miami in a few minutes, but how do we, uh, what do we do to kind of keep ourselves self-motivated and also, you know, keep our friends, uh, you know, positively thinking? Because this should be a period of time with uh, lots of positivity in our day if we can figure out how to do it. So what is everybody doing out there? What are some good tips to keep us all smiling? I think a lot has to do with physical activity. I mean, I typically am mm-hmm. doing a virtual boot camp and a virtual Pilates class, and that's two times a day. And that's just like to keep your brain healthy because, you know, we're all crammed in our apartments or we're out in the Hamptons or, you know, we're out with family and it gets a little tight if you're sitting there doing puzzles. Like how many puzzles can you do? You know, you can only do so many puzzles. Quite a lot. (laughs) Hey, listen, I I tried to order one of those very large puzzles and I'm on a backlog of I don't even know how many weeks to get one because, you know, they're they're definitely great to, to do, but try and get one. There's an article in the there's an article in the in the Times today. Puzzles are other than like PPEs. Puzzles are the most ordered items online right now. I just want you to know that I am back to Legos. Uh, Oh, that's actually good. Are you guys? That could be fun. I have to say, Zoom is a lifesaver. I'm going to keep Zoom calling friends from long distance long after this is over. And house party is fun times too. You can play games online. And Netflix yeah. watch parties, you can comment, make snarky comments while you watch The Tiger King with your friends. We've been doing weekly family Zoom meetings with like our cousins from the West Coast and people here in New York and people all over the country. It's, it's a great way to feel connected and share stories and motivate each other. Uh, and we're doing the same with, with, with our team, you know, from the office. We're doing... Um, every other day, basically, we're having, even if it's just a 10-minute check-in to see how people are doing and share ideas, uh, Zoom's been a lifesaver. Yeah, here too. Zoom's been a lifesaver. I think, I'm, I think I'm the only one here that has um, smaller children, so I'm pretty occupied with, with educating them all day. But um, just the, the family dinners every night, which is so unusual for us, and having game nights from time to time and movie nights and and as Sam said, um, getting out and exercising or, or downloading whatever, you know, Peloton um, uh, videos are available. And there's so much, there's so many people out there are offering free classes on uh, Instagram or um, other venues. Steve Kligerman, you're as the only executive uh, level on the call this morning. Let me ask you, so, you know, you, you run a big organization, and so, you know, people, I'm sure, are wanting to speak to you or email you or text you on a regular basis with 
oh my God, oh my God, or what do I do? And what about this? And what about that? Are you finding that your people are remaining calm in all of this uh, or are they kind of losing it? Uh, I think overall people are really remaining very calm. Um, they're, they're, man- <clears throat> excuse me, they're managing their emotions, but they want guidance, you know, and, and luckily, you know, some of us, um, you know, have been through other extreme events before, uh, going back, obviously, to, unfortunately, 9-11 and the recession in 08, 09. The 2008, um, and, right, right. Right. And, and they're, looking, they're looking for guidance. But most, most are, I would say, handling the anxiety of being isolated and, you know, the unknown much better, actually, than, than I would have expected anybody to handle it. Given, given what we're going through, you know, worldwide. And I, I, I'll just add to that. If, if you go back in history, and this is something for all of us and your listeners, particularly if, for, for those people that are listening that are in real estate, real estate has been what, since the depression and, the, and still will always be the American dream to own your own home. It has been really the guiding light in all these crisis recoveries, whether it's about real estate at the mm-hmm. Great Recession, whether it was 1974 when New York almost closed its doors, or September 11th. Those have been, um, that has been the guiding light for us. It, for it has. And, and, well, I, and New York in particular you know, has been a beacon. If you think about what happened yeah. after 9-11, if you think about the way that the New York City marketplace roared back after the recession, mm-hmm. money always pours into New York because, you know, it is the financial capital of the world and it is one of the you know major cult- cultural capitals of the world. So New York City typically leads out of events like this, and I expect it to do it again this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as we, we, as we talked agree, about last week on the show, we agreed that we're going to come rumbling back in a very good, positive way. And as Steve said a little while ago, you know, everybody is home right now with a lot of time on their hands. And so they're searching. And whether it makes sense to put, you know, some of these bigger new listings out or not, who knows. But people are looking and people are plotting and planning. As we always say on this show, it's very hard to keep New Yorkers down. Uh, and so they're going to be looking to strike, I believe, and strike in a big way. The only, the only, uh, you know, uh, the issue is the timeline right now. No one seems to know when that is, if it's a month from now, two, three months from now. But uh, they will be back, and they will be back, I think, in a way. Uh, listen, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic or positive, but I think they're coming back in a way at some point where uh, there isn't going to be enough inventory to satisfy everybody. And isn't that yeah, a good I, problem to I agree. have? I think it's right. And let's be real, everyone, you know, depending on how long this goes, death and divorce are always good for our business. Just kidding. Um, But there could actually be a baby boom. Yes, she said that. There could also be a baby boom with people. There is something else that people are doing to entertain themselves while stuck at home. So, you know, we might have people needing to move. There's definitely going to be a baby boom for sure. Well, there was an article in the paper the other day about the, 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 dwindling supply of condoms <laughs> yes i saw that <laughs> there's a shortage yeah. they're in they're in short they're in short supply so therefore here comes yeah, the baby so ball, okay so it's, it's gonna happen hey and divorces you know, divorces, you know whatever well listen you know i think the one in florida was the one who who tipped us off to that yesterday in a text right you're yeah. welcome <laughs> yes and, no, no worries all right anyway 
Anyway, you know, so they were, you know, according to the Olshan report, I think I was looking at it yesterday, there were uh, two contracts signed yesterday over $4 million. So everybody says, oh, my God, you know, you're down from whatever the number was the week before. But two contracts are signed last week for $4 million and above at the end of a decent streak when you consider life in the times of uh, COVID-19. The last time this report recorded only two contracts signed in a single week was the week of uh, August 17th to the 23rd in 2009, right after the, the financial uh, meltdown. So, again, you know, two contracts versus, you know, 14 or 25 or 30 is minuscule, but there are contracts being signed. And my question, you know, I don't know the details of it, but uh, do you think some of the, uh, well, obviously these contracts were in play prior to um, the lockdown a week or two ago, correct? Most of them, from what I've come to learn, um, that of the brokers that I'm connected to, a lot of them were sort of paused if due diligence was completed. And then the last like three days, some of those deals had been renegotiated. And I just got off the phone with Andrew Luftig, who literally said his deals, you know, his deals are getting signed. Now, coupled with that, you are finding that people are also getting furloughed in their jobs. So when you have a contract yeah. signed, you're waiting for your financing, the board package is done. You know, I, I, I have a client who's just got furloughed yesterday. And so we're probably yeah. not going to get our financing. And I have not had a deal not go through for financing. I can't even remember, even in 2009, I can't even remember because we usually had owner finance or some kind of backup plan, but this was a curveball. Well, have you guys? I yeah, and I think, happening. and I have the I have the same situation too with someone possibly not getting financing, not because she was furloughed, but because her investment accounts have dropped greater than thirty percent, and so you know that's a good portion of her income, uh, and it's going to be a problem, and so it's probably not going to. Uh, Probably not going to get a loan and probably not going to go to closing. But, you know, again, remaining positive, we have to see where that all, uh, where all that flies. But, you know, back in the 2008, 2009 timeframe, and Steve, you certainly remember that, you know, the issues that we went through then, appraisals got crazy. So people were not getting financing because the appraisals were coming hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases under the selling price. And that was a, yeah, trigger, I remember and that, that was a challenge. Well, that, that's yeah, going that to was be a major challenge. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if coming out of this, the banks declare just because of the event, the market is a declining market, which is what happened in 08, 09, and 10, which is why a lot of those appraisals came low. If they're using six yeah. months trailing data, then those appraisals will be fine. It depends on how they define the marketplace. And after, um, I think we're coming up on a break soon, but after the break, I'll share some more data about what the beginning of the year looked like before COVID-19 hit. Yeah, and the other thing, the other thing I want to point out before the break too, the Olshan report yesterday is, is saying the average discount from the original asking price to the to the selling price has gone up, and it's thirty three percent. And I'm thinking that seems very high, and all of the deals that, that I have been involved, in. I, but, I think but that's taking on. into consideration some really overpriced penthouses that got whacked in okay. half that should have never and, been priced where they were. Right. But I think also, guys, one of the things I keep trying to remind our clients about today and a moment in time that we are, we are in a fifth year of a declining market that now it isn't declining anymore. It is plateaued and 
you know, that was prior to COVID-19. So I think in reflection to whether they should proceed or not on deals does have to do with with literally where it was priced and where where the demand was. But Vince, what's that, what, what, what data set is that pulling from? I mean, that does seem ridiculously overinflated. Uh, the, 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 the OSHAN report, and I don't know where she's getting that, but I think I agree with Steve because a lot of these overpriced units, regardless of penthouses or, or, or what, uh, they always skew the numbers anyway, and they probably needed to be cut in half to begin with. And so in a yeah. time like today, that is what's happening. The other thing that stood out to me was the average days on the market also went up to 672. That seems like a very long period of time. I don't know that I would agree with that. But anyway, let's, uh, let's think about that. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about that, Boston, Miami, and New York City. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is James Nelson. I'm a huge fan of Vince's show, and I'd like to invite you all now to listen to my show on the Voice America Network, Real Estate Investing, live from New York. I will teach you everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusively commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home shows. I will teach you step-by-step how to source, acquire, improve, and profit from commercial real estate. Please tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. Thank you. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We are all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. And before we get to the uh, our separate regions, I wanted to, Jordan was making a, Jordan Shea was making a good point during the break. Jordan, why don't you just repeat what you were telling us over the break with regard to the length of time on market in this particular case, according to Don Olshan's report, 672 days. I say why you say. Well, it makes perfect sense when you consider that most, uh, if we consider them, quote, real sellers, which is a term that we use frequently, 
a lot of those sellers have chosen to withdraw their apartment from the market and take it off, which leaves, uh, you know, an, uh, an oversaturated amount of listings uh, from sellers who will sell at, quote, their number if they get the right number. Well, those listings have been sitting forever and they've been on forever. Yeah. So when you withdraw the good listings that have only been gone on for a brief moment in time and now you're left with things that have been on for a year or two or three the whole market uh days on days on market is skewed but i but i i'm going to add to that you got to remember that you know everybody kept pulled their apartments off the market at the end of 15 and 16 that were way way overpriced and then towards the middle of 2017 we had some some traction in our market um, for moments of it, and people still they put those prices back on the market. And I can speak for my own myself, where I am the third wife of a listing, where I am a million dollars off of a two point eight million dollar deal that I told him that he should have been priced at a million nine. Then today I'm a million eight, and I'm right. So I think that that is also days on market process. Well, some people pay attention to days on market sellers, that, that is, and some people just don't. As Jordan said before, it's like, hey, I'll sell when I get my price. Let's talk a little bit about uh, virtual um, open houses, uh, video tours, certainly in new developments. I think it's a brilliant idea to continue to get uh, those projects out in front of people. <clears throat> are they, in your opinion, guys, are they working? I, I, there is some, uh, a friend of mine on social media from another firm who claims to be doing deals, I think two deals last week just by virtually showing uh, floor plans and renderings because the site is not ready to visit anyway. So she's saying that she's got success. Are you finding success out there in uh, these uh, video I, tours of what, whether it's whether I, I, it's a new development or resale? So I, I want to see using, those contracts. <laughs> I've been using video tours since 2017 almost, and I think they really help. You know. It's almost like a movie trailer. It's a teaser. It doesn't paint the full picture, obviously. And I think because it's such a, an expensive investment for most you know, people in their lifetime, and it's an intangible asset that you know, people like video tours, but sometimes it's difficult for them to really you know, close the deal after just watching a video tour. But this week, we just did two rental deals off a virtual tour. And my buyer, we did a virtual tour yesterday, and he just put an offer. So I think it goes to show that real estate is always going to be uh, an asset that is always uh, very appealing to people, especially in times of uncertainty like this. Yeah, we're, 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 real estate will never die. They're, 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 that's the one good news about our industry. It's never going to die. It's never going to go anywhere. It goes on pause from time to time. But believe me, it'll come screaming back. Sam, thank you for that. Steve, let me ask you, in new developments, I know that we have a lot of activity going on at Halstead uh, Development Marketing. Uh, are, are you finding deals happening or getting close to deals? We, we are. So we also did a couple of rental deals through virtual tours uh, last week and the week before. And just as we're talking, literally, I just received an offer on a one-bedroom apartment that we just got at the Rennie up in Harlem. Um, pretty close to asking price <clears throat> from... That's outstanding. That really is outstanding. See, that's a show yeah. of support for the buyers out there. That's outstanding. It is. And, and we... Um, and we, we just submitted another offer at the Vanderwater. We did three or four deals last week, uh, I think two at 10 mm -hmm. Evans. So we are busy. It's not the volume that we would see at this time of year if we were live, but deals are getting right. done. It goes back to education of the buyer because uh, they, need to, they needed to go into this knowing what they were doing. There, there needs to be 
some sort of history in, in, in their search. So it's, if they're educated and they know what they're looking at and they know how to understand a virtual tour, then, you know, then you have the perfect buyer. I think that's a good I point. Agree, Anna. I agree, I think, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead I was Steve. going to say like, like a property like the Rennie, I think the fact that people have a little bit more time to do some comparisons is important because that property has a 25-year 421A. I don't think a lot of people right. understand what that means and so they, until they really sit down and start comparing different apartments and different total monthly outlays. So I think a really well-educated buyer takes advantage of the situation and makes a good decision and it gives them the time to do that. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, basically, I think that it, it all comes down to, you know, a lot of these new development buyers go from project to project to project, you know, checking things out. And, and sometimes it takes them a little too long to make a decision. I think what may be happening also is that because people are home now with not too much else to think about, they'll go back and review everything that they have visited. And again, to Anna's point, Steve's point, and educated, they understand, you know, new developments, they understand what they're looking at. Hopefully they, they can get and, and appreciate a floor plan. And so they're going to strike and make a deal. And I think you'll see more uh, of the experience, what I call the experienced new development buyer out there doing that versus somebody who's just starting out. I mean, that would be a, a nice thing, but I'm not so sure they'd have the, the confidence to do it just yet. But we'll take whatever deal we can get signed, right? Right. Steve, I'm, I'm curious to know, guys, are you all finding creative terms to not so much, it's not as easy to take less deposit, but in some of the deals I'm negotiating on, even one that's $11 million that they are trying, I'm proposing that they go to contract with like $300,000, which, which would give the person the time value of money, you know, for their market, for their uh, proceeds or their assets to recover from the um, stock market sort of to stabilize. Are you all finding any of those things? Absolutely, Wheezy. So we started to implement, um, lower down payment suggestions to our clients when this all started. Uh, we're actually they have to, to file for an amendment on that, yes? Uh, no, no, you can negotiate down a, a, a down payment. The, you know, the down payment uh, offered or, or required in the offering plan can be negotiated just like a price can be negotiated or any, any other term. Yeah. But, but uh, we definitely think that that is a good strategy, particularly in new development where people may not be closing for six or nine months why ask them to tie up substantial assets right now when there will be an opportunity for them to see growth as, as things settle down? So we think that that would be a really good strategy, and we're, we're suggesting that our clients you know, seriously consider it and accept it. Got it. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. Let's move on and talk about virtual interviews at co-ops, because obviously condos, you have to do a board package, but not an interview in most cases. Have any of you experienced the uh, co-op virtual interview? I'm about to have one. Hopefully, if this package gets completed. But what what what's happening with that? Success? Not I have success? two. I have two um, underway. I had a board turn down last Friday that I finessed a change, which was totally focused on uh, the price of the apartment and negotiated the owners to hold paper and raise the price. Yeah. And now we've got the video interview for the 2nd of April, and I have another one on Thursday. I've had a Anybody find success? Um, we, we did have success, but um, the interview could not be confirmed. This was for a rental in a co-op until they had signed a little letter that they had to email stating that they had not left the country in the past two weeks. Oh, interesting. Well, wow. Yeah, well, that, that, well that, that's, I mean, I understand that. That's, that's especially if they're going to close relatively quickly. That. 
that makes sense. But I'm thinking about just the, the, the particulars of going through a virtual interview. How, I mean, how easy is that? It's as easy as any Zoom call that we set up. Um, I have another one. They're talking about using FaceTime. Um, I've had Skype interviews in the past before all of this when someone was. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's really yeah. kind of the same thing. That's not too much of a variant. I think I think that there's some very interesting things that have been transferring for transpiring over the last ten to fifteen days, where where old school managing agents and boards are going to be and brokers. That would be myself are going to find themselves thrown forward to the 21st century where they it's just not going to be acceptable to hold people's lives hostage for your schedule when you can just call in. So board packager, I think we'll see a spike of buildings using that. I think we're going to find that this is going to become much more of an acceptable consideration um, to be of service to their shareholders. Yeah, the only issue the only issue that remains uh, is that some buildings are not allowing, even though the governor says move ins and move outs and building staff is essential. Uh, some buildings are are holding back on that and not allowing it to uh, to go forward. So that's the only roadblock for people who want to close and can and do their interviews, etc. But the building says can't move in. So that, that might be an issue. Sam, let's, let's talk about Boston for a minute. So, you know, your numbers are high, not as high as New York City used to. You have a lockdown as well or, or the, you know, settle in place, whatever they call the damn thing. What's yeah. happening in the Boston market as far as um, transactions? So it's interesting to see. So my team is the DeRocker and Corey team. We kind of specifically service luxury market in the Boston area and the greater Boston area as well. Um, we're seeing in our full service buildings a lot. They're kind of limiting vendors. They're limiting cleaners, obviously, and agents coming on in. So kind of things are at a bit of a halt right now. Obviously, with virtual tours and showing, it's helping tremendously. Well, we pulled actually an interesting number yesterday from the MLS. And as of this time, the past two weeks, there were 70 properties that were contingent this Oh, excuse me. This year and then last year, comparably, uh, there were 75 properties contingent. So that still shows that a lot of buyers are still actively looking and they're still actively making offers, which is really a good sign. Because I think if the real estate market were to kind of halt a little bit, um, it wouldn't be good for municipalities because I think the real estate market shows a healthy municipality. And a lot of these towns and cities make money off you know, the reporting fees, the transfer taxes. So I think it's a good sign overall, but I do think in the next two to three months, because there's a lot of uncertainty, I think we're going to see a lot of buyers are kind of going to wait on the sideline, especially if they have cash. It's going to create a really good opportunity for them down the road. All right, we've got to take a break. Coming up, segment four, our last segment. Uh, So don't go away. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. 
Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back for segment four. Tracy, let me start with you and the Miami uh, um, location. So uh, the governor in your state has not put a a statewide uh, settle-in-place law into place. However... Uh, in Miami and a lot of other areas of Florida, uh, all the businesses are closed, just like New York. How is the real estate industry being affected there? You're not allowed to show, correct? You're not allowed to show, no. Um, and until the other day, you did still see a lot of construction workers, so that was still ongoing. I think we're, you know, in, in, in parts, there's new construction across the street from my condo that the guys are still working. Um, so, you know, there are still things going on. And here's one thing I wanted to say last week, Vince, but didn't. You know, we've been basically outside of New York City, the rest of the United States does these virtual closings. They do the mail-in closings. No one has to be present, seated around the closing table. So that hasn't been a big adjustment. There are still closings occurring, just, you know, kind of business as as usual, uh, as you might say. But yes, that's still happening here. All right. So basically, slow down, not a lot of shut, no no showings at all. No showings. uh, Transactions. Transactions not happening. So the what is the projection? Is it the same as we're saying for New York City that once we get the okay, the green light, whatever you want to call it, we expect that the market should start to zoom again. Feeling Absolutely. the same way? <clears throat> Excuse me. Are your colleagues in Miami feeling the same way? Yes. And you may here's the other thing too, Vince, is that you know this is the time of year we're dependent on a lot of business from New York. That now these people are not coming down um, because they're not allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hopefully right. that's going to start too. And again, this is my optimistic hope. I share the same optimism as you that there's going to be all this pent up demand. And it's interesting because you know this is everywhere, right? There's a sense that well there must be discounts, but yet that's not necessarily going to be the case. Um, but I do think as soon as people yeah. are able to come down to Florida, we still, you know, have the tax advantage that people were figuring out at the beginning, uh, you know, end of last year, beginning of this year, that that's still very attractive. So I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to be down here too. So Tracy, I have a question about sure. uh, the investor concentration of Miami compared to New York's investor concentration. Again, New York being a city of renters um, in, gen- in general, because you only have about 38% available to be purchased, but what are you finding about all these people who purchased property who are trying and need to hold on to it through investors, through having a tenant? Well, it's interesting because, you know, especially, um, here's a good question, if people were renting to, you know, based on kind of the, the short-term renter, Airbnb, you know, that's basically dead right now. So they're just having to kind of float their costs for this. Um, you know, some people are asking to extend their uh, their, um, their, their lease is by a couple of months. And it's, it's going to be interesting. It is actually a little bit in a state of flux, depending on when your lease term termination date was. So yeah, there's, that is definitely an impact for investors. 
Got it. All right. Well, you know, along, along those lines, let, let's talk about what's happening in New York City with regard. We're actually in Boston and, and in Miami as well. What, what, what's happening with mortgages, guys? So, um, for example, I have a, <clears throat> a, um, a client waiting to get her final commitment letter. It's been two weeks. Uh, very reputable bank. But uh, underwriting has taken an enormously amount, long amount of time to, to get this mm-hmm. file. They're checking and double-checking and checking and double-checking. Are you guys finding the same thing where the, the applications are being more scrutinized than before? I mean, I think Louise said earlier one of her clients got furloughed, so obviously that's a problem. But what's ha- what do you see I, happening on the, on the mortgage side? I, I, I just want to just say what I, I learned on <laughs> February 12th, um, Wells Fargo did a sort of a take back or an analysis across the nation and the applications for refinancing and mortgages was up 600%. So that was pre, pre COVID-19. So when you're trying to get, you know, the 600% through one door, the bottleneck is going to cause a one, the rates to shoot up for a temporary period of time. And because you can't process, uh, Wells Fargo is trying to take those refinance people up to 24 months ago, if you're already a client, to waive the processing so that they can get people through the door and just accept to take a lesser interest rate. So those kinds of practices are occurring. Well, yeah, and, and, and for a long time, the refis, I think, were being priority over new packages, which I think it should be in the reverse, but as so many people were applying for uh, refinance because the rates were so low. But in general, I see that that's, you know, aiding to the slowdown and trying to get transactions that were already done closed because the, it's just taking an, an awful amount of time. And I don't even know if half of these applications are going to get approved with, with the, the status of the stock market, with the status of people getting furloughed. Uh, certainly anybody who works in the restaurant business in any of our deals is not going to get a loan, probably. Um, I don't know. Any any other comments on that? We're still finding the mortgage process here. I mean, it's always been done online. So that part of the process is still going here in Boston specifically. I think what's affecting a lot of our closings is more or less here in Boston, you have to have a smoke inspection. So the municipalities are really stretched and having a fire department come on out isn't really viable right now. And a lot of towns are shutting down you getting that smoke inspection. So what a lot of title companies are doing is they're having buyers get, you know, title uh, gap insurance to protect them from, uh, you know, getting a lien on the property during closing or after closing. So that's, I think, the issue that is facing in the Boston market right now. I don't know necessarily what it's like, you know, in New York or Miami, if you have the same thing, but that's the biggest hurdle that we have to get over for closing right now. Yeah. What are people doing in Boston uh, for appraisals? What's that? How is it? How are appraisals being handled in Boston? Um, appraisals are being handled. I mean, we still have appraisers. I mean, I think a lot of inspectors and appraisals, appraisers want to, you know, they still want to work themselves. They need to make a living. So I, we still have, you know, they're coming on out and they're, um, you know, they're going to come in. I think the real estate market itself I don't think they're going to come in low ball. I think this is just a small blip right now. And I think long-term, the real estate market here is really healthy. So I don't think it's affecting home values. Yeah, I mean, as Vin said, Are you guys biggest, I was going to say the biggest hurdle we're facing in, in, in New York is just move-ins and move-outs. Because the issue here is that you can, you know, Cuomo or the mayor can can make a judgment call. But then, you know, when you get down to it, it's really building to building specific here. 
Um, and I don't know if anyone else is facing this, but you know, that's the issue I'm facing, especially in co-ops. I mean, some co-ops are even, you know, putting into place fines for people who are going, who are leaving the building non-essentially. Um, I, I've heard a few stories already. So I think that is, you know, not only an issue right now, but is going to be an issue for the next, you know, three to four weeks. A lot of these condos and co-ops, though, really need to be careful and try to abide as close as possible to their pre-existing bylaws and the authority that they have. Because if they're not careful, there will be so many lawsuits for various oversteps that some of these places might have that's heavy-handed. But do you see that opening up as a... Do you see that opening up uh, possible lawsuits from condo owners? Because if you're a condo owner and you're trying to sell, you know, you have the right to sell, you know, even though I understand the human, you know, health take on this, you know, also from a real estate, you know, perspective, you know, you want to sell your unit, you have the right to sell your unit. You do, but I think, and I agree with Jordan that these boards have to be very careful, but also, you know, remember, I think you're going to see more of this being an issue in co-op buildings as opposed to condos, because when you don't actually own the unit and you own shares of it, 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 it changes some of that legality of what your control is over the move in, move out, as opposed to what the building controls over the move in, move out. Right. But I also think, I think in a way that, that this will also give people more of of a reason to own because at least in a co-op or a condo you have a board that you may or may not be part of or you may know and be have mm-hmm. access to that board member to talk to if you live in a rental building you have no control over the rules at all agreed no. which no. is which completely frustrating especially at a time like this well, and, and, and again, I, I, I agree with, with Matt there and Steve, but also, uh, you know, you got to, what Jordan said about potential lawsuits going forward, you know, first of all, per, people in, in naturally like to be litigious, so something gets them crazy, they're going to look into it. Anyway, unfortunately, that is our broadcast today, as difficult it was, as it was for me here. Thanks for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram at Vince Rocco. We are back next week. Because if it's Tuesday morning, it is Good Morning New York Real Estate. Stay home, stay safe, stay in touch. And for every reason out there these days, please be kind to one another. Thanks for joining us. Good luck and be well. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thank you. And we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.